How can a gravel road and a feisty mare lead to the debt of a lifetime? We'll find out in this episode of Barn Stories. Welcome to the new Barn Stories podcast. I'm Lori Prins, editor of Equus Magazine. And I'm senior editor, Christine Barakat. You may know Equus for its articles on horse care and veterinary research. Our goal with this podcast is to highlight another important aspect of what we do at Equus. We have fun with horses and we celebrate how they enrich our lives and bring people together. We've chosen our favorite essays and articles that have been published in Equus and capture that spirit. In this new audio format, they take on a new life. Some stories are funny, others are touching, and a few are a little sad, but they all contain some universal truth about what it means to love horses. For this episode, we've chosen a story that highlights how working with horses can lead to all sorts of interesting experiences that don't always have to do with the horses themselves. I know my involvement with horses has taken me to places and introduced me to people that I would never have met otherwise. And like the author of the story, Some of my horse-adjacent experiences have resulted in stories that I'll enjoy telling forever. This story, written by Thomas Scammon, was first published as a true tale in Equus magazine probably two decades ago, and the events it describes took place long before that. But the story touches on a timeless horse-keeping theme, specifically that things, even very simple things, don't always go as planned when horses are involved. But at least we can get good stories out of our misadventures. With that in mind, let's listen to The Rockefellers Owe Me Two Dollars, written by Thomas Scammon and read by Taylor Autumn. I was 14 years old and living on Mount Desert Island, off the coast of Maine, when I first encountered the Rockefellers. As everyone knows, that large island has long been the summer home for hundreds of millionaires, always referred to as rusticators by the native residents. From an early age, we were taught that rusticators were an odd lot, and if they sometimes ask foolish questions, we must always be polite and patient with them. In the summer of 1930, I was working on Heyman Roddick's farm, located near the end of Eagle Lake and not far from a network of carriage roads owned and maintained by the Rockefeller family. These roads, open to the public, were for horses only. One morning, Heyman and I went down to New Mills Meadow to cut a load of green hay for the livestock on his farm. After the hay was cut and loaded, Heyman took the rake home and left me with the workhorses and the wagon load of hay. Now, Heyman set off on a paved road that led up to a steep hill, but I decided on a different route that would be easier for the horses. This was the Rockefeller Road, which was freshly graveled and raked. I was unconcerned that the iron wheels of the heavily loaded wagon would dig keep into the gravel, or that the shoes of Heyman's freshly shod horses would make pronounced holes at every step. In fact, it pleased me to look behind me and see the straight lines made by the wheels and the perfect spacing of the horse's hooves. On that beautiful, cloudless day, I was happy as a lark and looking forward to Heyman's bountiful supper table after a day in the fields. Suddenly, I heard a voice shouting angrily at me. Turning, I saw a man and a boy in a buggy. A quick look at the boy's clothing told me that he was a rusticator. Thinking that the shouting man wanted me to get out of the center of the road, I pulled the team to the side to allow the buggy to pass. 
As it came alongside, though, I realized the driver was incensed by my messing up the smoothly raked road. It was then that I recognized him as the foreman for the Rockefeller estate. And now a quick break for a word from our episode sponsors. Silver Honey Rapid Wound Repair from Absorbane is the first and only wound care to combine the natural healing power of medical-grade Manuka honey and microsilver BG. Tough on bacteria but gentle on skin, it stops 99.9% of bacteria immediately to start healing faster while protecting the skin's natural microbiome. To learn more, visit www.silverhoney.com. Fortunately, I was far out of his reach when he started brandishing his buggy whip. But since one good turn deserves another, I reached for a long-handled pitchfork stuck in a load of hay. Perhaps deciding that discretion was called for, the foreman drove on, but not before promising to take this matter up with a higher authority, that is, my employer. This threat bothered me not at all, for Heyman cared no more about the Rockefeller's gravel than he did about a cow path. The rest of the trip home was uneventful, but this incident was to cost me $2. At this time, Heyman was renting part of his barn to a man named Mr. James, who ran a riding school for the rusticators and also bought and sold horses. When I had a bit of free time, I sometimes worked for Mr. James. The very next morning after my encounter with the foreman, Mr. James had a job for me. Having just sold a big, dappled, gray mare named Sparkles to the Rockefellers, Mr. James asked me to deliver her to the family stables. A groom would be there to receive the horse and pay me $2 for my work. Mr. James will retrieve me and the saddle and bridle with his car. As I mounted Sparkles, I was cautioned not to get the mare overheated, and to this I readily agreed. But... Sparkles had stood in her stall for three days, and no one had given thought to cut down on the heavy ration of oats regularly given to Mr. James's working horses. Always a high-spirited animal, the mare was now so full of energy that she wanted to burn some up. In short, she wanted to run, flat out, and the snaffle bit in her mouth was hardly the best thing to restrain her. As we approached the carriage road, only a short distance from the barn, the mare became almost uncontrollable. Then she began jigging and going sideways down the road. When we almost went into a ditch, I was so fearful, lest she hurt herself, that I gave some slack to the reins, in the hope that she would straighten it out. That she did, but bolting she took off at a dead run. I had totally lost control. Sparkles galloped nearly the length of Eagle Lake before I could slow her to a trot, and we were approaching Jordan Pond before I could even bring her to a walk. A dapple gray when we started, she was now white with foam. I dismounted at the top of a grade and tried to cool her off by rubbing her down with grass and leaves. When she grew calmer, I decided to go on to the Rockefeller stables. But my hopes were short-lived, for Sparkles still wanted to run, and running, she started to sweat again. Arriving at the stables, I expected to find a groom to receive the mare and provide me my hard-earned two dollars. What I found instead was the whole Rockefeller clan and their friends assembled. Worse still, 
There was the foreman I had encountered the day before. Seeing me again, and noting Sparkle's lathery condition, he started toward me in an angry, threatening way. I quickly dismounted, stripped off the bridle and saddle, and put them and myself into Mr. James's waiting station wagon. Impatient to be off, Mr. James lost no time in getting started, and we rode back to the farm in total silence. It comforted me little to suppose that when Heyman got the chance, he would go and collect that two dollars for me. He never did, nor did I. I moved on to bigger things, the Depression, World War II, and earning a living. Like most Maine men, I have seen good days and bad, but I have always taken pleasure in a fact not enjoyed by many a man. The Rockefellers owe me two dollars. Thanks for listening to Barn Stories. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a favorite article or essay from the Equus Archives that you'd like us to feature in a future podcast, let us know. You can reach us at equusbarnstories, all one word, at gmail.com. The Barn Stories podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.